Let's stand together and look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Very well-known passage. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Father, I thank you for this day and pray you just bless every person in this room. Let them feel your love and know, uh, Father, your desire to walk in relationship with them. Lord, we specifically now pray for our children that your values, your truth, your security, your love, your purpose for their life would unfold in their life in a mighty powerful way. Let the words that they've heard this week and the things that have come from your throne room this week, let it penetrate deeply into their heart and be planted as a permanent seed in their spirit to grow and to, and to help them be established in you. Father, we just pray that you would guide each one of their lives into your perfect will. Touch us today. Let our hearts be open to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. How many in this room today will confess that you are a golfer? We're going to pray for you after service. No, go ahead. <laughs> Seriously, raise your hand if you're a golfer. We're glad. You know, the game of golf is, uh, it's, it seems at the outset to be a, 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 the concept seems to be pretty easy. You, you take a, a little white golf ball. And uh, you take a club of some sort and you hit it down a fairway, a course, from one, from a tee box to a green. And then you knock that little ball into a little cup on the green in as few strokes as possible. I mean, you, you think about that and you think, you know, you look at it, even golfers at times look at it, this just can't be this hard. It's, it's, it's got to be, this has got to be pretty, the, the ball's not moving, it's sitting right there for me. It's not going anyplace, I'm not, it's not like I'm trying to hit a ball that's being thrown at me or something, I'm hitting a ball that's sitting still. Seems like a pretty uh, easy concept. I used to play a little bit, I used to, I used to play quite a bit. Uh, I remember when I first started, uh, a person gave me a piece of advice. They said, now Mark, you're going to hit some bad shots every now and then. When you do, just forget it. Forget the bad shot, go on to the next shot. And uh, I knew it was time to quit when I would get home after about four hours on the golf course and not know where I'd been all day. I knew that was not a good sign. So, uh, no, I, I eventually decided to, to set it down and I haven't played for a couple of years. But golf is, it's all about the trajectory of the ball. That seems simple enough. I've got to send this ball on a course down the, down the fairway towards a fairly sizable green most of the time to knock it into that, that hole. But there's a lot of things that impact the trajectory of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the ball. The ball itself impacts it. If it has a cut on it or if it's well formed and in good shape, uh, the kind of golf ball that it is, some golf balls are made for distance. Some golf balls are made for control. Some golf balls are made for cold weather. Some golf balls are made for warmer weather. And they play better in those circumstances. So you've got to know because that's going to impact the trajectory of that golf ball. Uh, there's other things that impact the trajectory of the golf ball. The, uh, the ground itself impacts the trajectory. If it's flat and smooth, if it slopes to the right or it slopes to the left, that, the trajectory of that golf ball is going to be impacted when it hits the ground. If that ground is hard, or if, that, if it's been raining a lot and that ground is soft, it's going to impact what, what happens when you hit that golf ball. 
with the wind. The wind impacts the trajectory. If it's coming from the left or from the right, it's going to spin that ball, especially if you mishit it just a little bit. It'll spin it extra one way or extra the other way. If that wind's coming right at you, it's going to, it can knock that golf ball down. You won't get near as much distance as you want. Or if it's coming behind you, you've got to be careful. You don't get too much distance sometimes. It's got to be controlled by, by all of those things. The clubs themselves impact the trajectory of the ball. Some clubs are made to hit the ball a long way. And so when you want to hit the ball a long way, uh, the, you get that, if you're comfortable with that, you get that club out and you use that club. If it's a shorter distance and you want that ball to go up in the air and come down softly on the green and maybe roll up next to the hole, then you pick out a different club that's made because they're all made differently to impact the trajectory, the outcome of where that ball is going to go and where that ball is going to land as you make your way down uh, the field. The precipitation of the day, whether it's heavy out or light out or whether it's rain, all of those come into consideration when you stand over a golf ball and you look at the distance to the hole and you decide what you're going to do next. But do you know what the biggest factor in the trajectory of a golf ball is? The biggest factor in the trajectory of a golf ball is the person that's going to hit the golf ball. See, because if, if they know what they're doing, if they, if they practice a lot and played a lot, They'll stand over that golf ball and they'll take the wind into consideration. They'll look at the lay of the ground. They'll know how wet it is and how dry it is. They'll know all the different conditions. They'll know what kind of golf ball they pulled out. They'll know what kind of club to pull out. They'll know exactly how to swing that club to get the exact result. A good, golf, a good golfer can shape that shot. He can make it go, he can make it slice a little bit to his right or hook a little bit to his left. He, he, can, do, he can make the ball go high. He can make it go low. He can make it cut through the wind. He's got to know what he's doing to do all those things. But he impacts the trajectory of, the, of that ball more than anything else. He's the biggest in, impact. Now, see, I know all those factors. I'm, I can consider all those things, and, and, uh, but if I went out today to play a round of golf, I would most likely hit a few good shots. I'd hit a lot more bad ones. Because, to, see, to be on top of it, you've got you've to be playing. You've got to be working at it. You've got to be practicing it. And the mess up wouldn't be because of the ball or because of the clubs or because of the weather or because of the ground. The biggest problem that I would face today would be me. My ability to do and to control myself would be the hardest thing. But a true golfer who loves the game, works at the game, knows exactly how to take this golf ball and to move it the way he wants to make it. Now, many of us, many of you, some of you in this room, you love golf, but most of us are in this room because we love something far more than golf. We love our kids. And, and you know, I think back at my kids, and we started VBS a number of years ago. VBS, had, my, some of my kids weren't even bored. Now they're all grown up. All of them are grown. And all of them work VBS this week. Now I have grandkids that are working VBS and grandkids that are in, in VBS because, as they say, time flies when you're having fun. 
I'll tell you, time flies even when you're not having fun. <laughs> time just flies. And wherever your child is today, your grandchildren are today, time is going to fly. And you're going to turn around twice, and you're going to look, and all of a sudden, they're not going to be little kids anymore. They're going to be young adults. And the question I want to really get you to think about is, what is your goal? As you stand right where you're at now and you're looking down into the future, you have a trajectory you want your child to go on. You have a destiny, a place you want them to end up at. A life you want them to have. What is it that you really want for them? What is it that you really want to unfold in their life? They are right now under your training. And you're looking down towards the goal. What do you want their life to be like? What do you want their values to be like? What do you want their sense of right and wrong to be like? What do you, how do you want them to respond in relationships? And how do you want them to act in relationships? What do you desire for them? And I want to tell you, that seems like an easy thing when you're standing there looking at it. But there's a lot of factors that need to play into your decisions because they're going to influence the direction your children go. One of the big ones is simply culture itself. We were made, humans were made by God to be in relationship. So we were made to be influenced by culture. Group think and peer pressure was supposed to be a good thing for us, a healthy thing for us. We were supposed to get a healthy sense of right and wrong and what is and isn't acceptable from those around us. And we do. Think of it simply like this. There are places in the world today where if you walked into a restaurant and opened the restaurant, you could order horse meat for lunch. Now, you're not going to find that, I don't think, in Springfield today. That doesn't fit into our culture. In their culture, that's not an offensive thing at all. Because, see, they've been influenced by the thing. Our, our dietary habits are influenced by the culture we're raised in. You go to some cultures today and go into a restaurant and you would not find beef on the menu because in their culture that would be offensive can't find too many places in Springfield today that doesn't have beef on the menu we find it acceptable now in something as simple as our diets if this plays out that way I want you to understand and think it also plays out in values in priorities in the role of relationships in the sense of what is right and what is wrong. All of the cultural pressure weighs into the lives and the development of our children to help set a future for them. And today, we live in a society that is pushing our children one direction, and you need to ask yourself, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, is that the direction you really want them to go? 
Is that the way you really want them to think? Are those the values you really want them to have? Is that the sense of right and wrong you want them to develop? And is that the kind of relationships you want them to grow in? So you want to see your child's future. Then, Then the question is, what are you allowing culturally into their life? What is teaching them right from wrong? What culture are you raising them in? Especially when we see that our societal culture is very intentfully pushing certain directions. If that's what you want, then just let them go in it. But if that's not what you want, then you've got to become a little bit more of a master parent to direct them a right direction and to get them a right place. See, you cannot ignore the influencing factors of life unless you have to reach the goal that you may have for them. Here's the other thought. Your children are going to have influences in their life. We need to be aware of the people who we allow to speak into their life. This is one that commonly gets ignored. We kind of compartmentalize things. That's just their soccer coach. That's just their football coach. That's just their basketball coach. That's just their music teacher. That's just their, you know, third grade teacher. That's all they are. That's all they are in their life. They're just, they're just that. But when I open the door for influence, then what I have to be aware of is that person, I have my agenda for their future, but so do they. They have an agenda. They have a purpose. They have values. They have priorities. They have a sense of right and wrong. They're going to now be spoken into my child's life. And when I've opened the door for that influence, I've opened the door to all of those things that they want to have, that they want to speak into their life. The same is true when we think about influence, about the TV shows we allow them to watch, the values that are promoted on those TV shows, the music we allow them to listen to. And mom and dad, I would just encourage you, you've bought them, you know, phones and and iPods and all kinds of different, do you know what's on their playlist? Have you listened to the songs? Are you paying attention to what the influencers are saying in your children's lives? What I used to try to tell parents when I was a youth pastor, if you want to know what your child's really like, look at the people they're hanging out with. Because they'll act one way with you and another way with somebody else. So I've got to to have some control. You want to see your child's future. What voices are you allowing into your child's life today? What are you allowing? You can't ignore the influencers and control the outcome. This week I was walking down the hall one day, and I think it was about three-year-olds. The group of three-year-olds were in front of me. Probably 20 or 30 of them were in front of me. And there was a bunch of teachers with them. And as I walked down the hall, I was headed the same direction they were, and I was kind of walking behind them. And every open door that we came to, every hallway with an opening that we came to, at least one of them shot in that door. (laughs) We went down that hallway, and I was kind of watching the teachers to say, do they have this? Are they paying attention? Because, you know, kids can get lost doing this and and I'm watching as we walk down and and I'm proud to report our teachers did great as they're walking down I'd hear them say Sally just went in that room and somebody I got her I got her gets in there Johnny just ran down there I'll go get him somebody go get him and they'd bring him back in but what was that they were paying attention 
Mom, dad, grandma, and grandpa. There's a lot of open doors in life. They're going to shoot down those halls and shoot into those rooms. You better make sure it's a room you want them to go into. You better be paying attention. You better be watching closely. Because you're going to get down that road a little bit farther and turn around and go, where is Johnny? What happened to him? How did we get here? What's going on? And it's because we just thought they would kind of grow the right way instead of us influencing them the right direction. We have to be aware. If you want them to get where you want them to go, you've got to be watching. You can't ignore the influencing factors and reach your goal. I want to tell you a couple stories today. And in all of these stories, I've gotten permissions from the family to share them. Uh, Bob and Stacy, who are just great at reaching out to people in need, uh, met a young man named TJ in, in, in about 2005. They were working, doing some work with the Salvation Army, ministering with some of the programs that were there, and, uh, some of the alcohol and, and, and addictive programs that were there. TJ was 24 years old. His dad was an addict, and TJ had let the trajectory of that life influence the trajectory of his life. Bob and Stacy reached out to TJ and supported him as much as they could and began to speak into his life in every way that they could and even began to include him into a lot of family functions. And TJ knew things were wrong. He knew things were out of place. And he wanted to learn about God, and they shared faith with him. The day came when he accepted Christ into his life, set in multiple Bible studies. He liked Christian music. And TJ became such an important part of the family that he actually began to call Stacy mom. They helped, they helped TJ as he began to get a new trajectory in life. They helped him get a job, and uh, they helped him get into an apartment, helped him furnish that first apartment. But it was shortly after that that TJ started disconnecting from the positive influences. And it wasn't long until he fell back into his addictions. He lost his job. He lost his apartment. Broke some laws, and TJ ended up serving a couple of years in the Taylorville Correctional Facility. Bob and Stacy didn't give up on him. They kept visiting TJ and reaching out to him and uh, did everything they could to help him. But when TJ got out, of, got out of prison, he wanted to go back to his hometown, and he did that. And he reconnected with his family, and he got married. And it looked like things were going really, really good for TJ. But he didn't get back into church. He disconnected from the support system. And all the influences that had been in his life all those years were still there. And Bob and Stacy only heard from him a couple of times. He did well for about six years. He, he, he got a job as a long-distance truck driver. But TJ ended up using again after all this time. He would eventually lose his job and lose the things that he built up in his life. And about two weeks ago, TJ committed suicide, hung himself in his home. TJ, dead at 35 years of age. His dad's now a Christian and has been clean and sober for nine years. But listen, when TJ was a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old like we saw on our platform today, nobody was dreaming that outcome for TJ. Nobody was seeing that future for TJ. But the winds and the pressures, the lay of the land pushed him a direction. 
And even when others came in and tried to rescue him from that, he kept falling back into it. See, the biggest factor in hitting that golf ball is who's swinging the club. And for the most part, the biggest factor in the outcome of a child's life is the parent. So the first thing, parents, I would tell you is your example. The way you live your life in front of them is the first thing that's going to impact their life. See, I've had people tell me values are caught, not taught. I've had other people tell me values are taught, not caught. And here's the reality. Values have to be both taught and caught. They have to be heard and spoken. Not one or the other. It has to be both. You have to show them and you have to talk to them about why this value is important. And I would tell you, you don't do that once they're 17 or 18. You do that when they're 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, all through their life. You're talking about values and you're an example of those values. You talk to them about them even when you know they don't understand them. When they're little and you look them in the eye and you say to them, we don't throw fits. <laughs> big boys and big girls don't throw fits. That's not the way we talk to each other. We calm down. We all don't always get what we want. Sometimes you don't get what you want and you can't throw a fit about it. You've got to be, you've got to be able to accept what's happening in your life without throwing yourself on the floor and having a tantrum. Now, it's important to have that talk but it's important that we don't throw fits either. <laughs> that we don't explode. That we don't lose our cool. But that we show a value that is consistent. Now, we don't call people names. You just called your brother name. We don't call people names. That's not the way we talk to each other. We value each other. Each person is important. If you have a problem, you talk about your problem. We don't call each other names. Now, that's, you, you talk, you say, well, they'll look at me like they don't get it. That's okay. Just keep repeating Say it, repeat. It's like rinse and repeat. Rinse, repeat, repeat, repeat. Just keep doing it. Because they'll, they'll eventually get it. But not only do you have to say it, you can't do it. When you get mad, when you're driving down the road, you can't call the guy an idiot in the car next to you. Are you hearing me today? It's got to be taught and it's got to be caught. We treat people with respect. We are honest. We don't steal. We honor God's word. We treat each other loving. All of these things have to be taught and caught. It has to be an example in our life. You know, I was watching these kids sing today, and there's some of them up here, and they're just going at it, and they're dancing, they're having a great time. And it's so much fun. you got a few of them standing here going, And it, just, it struck me, Mom, that struck me. If you, if you got one of those who are standing there just kind of like, you know, deer in the headlights kind of look. If you go home, you say, son, you know, it's okay, man. It's okay. When I, I, I've never been comfortable on a platform either. I've never been uncomfortable in front of people either. It's okay. You know what you're planting in his heart? He'll never be uncomfortable in front of people. If you take him home today and say, man, I was so proud to see you up there. You were up there. You, man, it was great having, man, I was so, I'm proud to be your dad because you were up there in front of all those people doing that. That'll grow. Really? What you speak, what you tell them will dictate the future to them. What are you going to say? What kind of example are you going to be? What are you going to do in their life? 
What is the Bible's role? What do you want the Bible's role to be in their life? What do you want them to do? Do you want them to live by the values of the Word of God? Do you want them to obey the Word of God? If you want your children to love the Word of God, to obey the Word of God, to love God, then you have to obey the Word of God. You have to love the Word of God. You have to plant it in their hearts and talk about it and look at it and talk about the wisdom of it. And when people belittle it, you gotta say, oh man, they don't know what they're talking about. I'm telling you, the Word of God is the light to my path. The Word of God is good for me. I've listened to the Word. When I obey the Word, son, let me tell you, when I obey the Word, my life gets better. When I disobey the Word, that's when I get in a mess. I wanna tell you, obey the Word, son. Pay attention to the Word. Do what the Word tells you to do. If you do that and you begin to plant that word and their love for the word of God in their heart, then they'll grow up listening to the word. They say, oh, you brought your kids to VBS this week? Good job. Keep it up. What's prayer? Do you want them to be a people of prayer? Do you want them to ask God for direction in their life? You just want them to wing it on their own. Do you want them to seek God for the decisions that they make towards you? When you get old enough to be put in the nursing home, do you want them to pray about it first? <laughs> want them to ask God what to do first? Better teach them to pray today. Amen? Better teach them to seek God today. Because if you teach them to pray, they'll listen to God. They'll pay attention to God. So what do you have to do? You've got to pray with them. You've got to pray for them. You've got to be an ex example in front of them of the big decisions of life that we're going to pray and ask God what to do. What do you want the church to be like in their life? It is a social club you kind of go to and hit and miss whenever you want to? Or is, there, is this the family of God where you learn about God? You say, you know what? We're going to be dedicated. We're going to go there every week. We're going to be faithful, and we're going to listen to what God is. Is it a low priority? You want it to be a high priority. This week's been a busy, busy week for our family. A lot of things going on with VBS and my wife getting home. A lot of late nights. She came home one night and she looked at me. She said, I am so thrilled this week. She said, all of our kids are working in VBS. And you got to realize, they're all grown now. She said, they're all working. They're, they've all come, they're all back here working VBS. Now, I want to tell you, she set the trajectory for that a long time ago. She lived as an example in front of them. She loved it. She had fun with it. She talked around our tables about the value of it. She shared stories about what was happening in kids' lives around till, till today. It's not a burden for them to say they want to be a part. They look forward to being a part of VBS. But that didn't happen by accident. And so I told you, I'm, the stories I'm telling today, I've got permission. Last Sunday, I was standing with a mom out in the entryway. And uh, she has a teenage son. We're talking last Sunday. And she looks at me and she says, what has happened to my son? And I said, uh, what, what, what you talking about? She said, well, we were, we were out with a bunch of kids from the youth group the other night. And we're having ice cream. And we're sitting at a table. And a girl walks up and he says to her, hey, come sit with us. And she said, there's no place to sit at the table. He said, yes, there is. Mom, get up and let her sit down.
She said, why would he do that? I'm his mother. I said, question asked and answered. You're his mother. Listen, the day is coming very, very quickly when they're going to begin to push your hand off the club. The direction better be set by then. You're not going to have control anymore. The values better be in place. Your voice is going to get weaker. They better, you better have planted what you want the relationships to be like. Who taught you how to hold the club? What influenced the way you're swinging? What do the, sur- the surroundings of your life look like right now? Are you in the middle of the fairway? Are you out in the deep weeds? Have you landed in good places? Or is it hard to advance from where you're at? And what do you want to influence their life? Bruce was born into a world that looked pretty hopeless. Everything. If you had a guy that things were stacked against him, everything was stacked against him, against Bruce. His mother gave him away. And he was put into foster care as a baby in Chicago. By three years of age, Bruce was being sexually abused. And, you know, he sent word to me as we shared this story. And we asked permission to share this story. He said, Pastor, make sure you emphasize. I want anybody to know out there that's been sexually abused or being sexually abused that there's hope. There's hope. At six years of age, he ran away. And the homeless people hid him in a box under a bridge to protect him. But the police found him and gave him back to the abusers. Bruce over the years ended up in a lot of trouble, went to prison several times. When our ministry, Bob and Stacy and the outreach teams met Bruce, uh, he was almost 50 years of age, addicted, alcohol, drugs, homeless. Bruce wanted freedom. He wanted a different life. Didn't know how to get there. And as, as our teams talked to him, Bob and Stacy talked to him, he began to realize that Jesus was the answer. Bruce began to come to church a bit, went into a couple of rehab programs and dropped out of them before he got it right. The last facility was Victory Acres in Peoria where he, he learned the Bible, learned how to memorize Scripture. And after nine months there, Bruce graduated and started a new life in Peoria. Bruce never let go of his support system, which he calls his family. He relies on God for everything, he says. Bruce has some bad days, but he's learned to stop and to pray even though, though every deci- through every decision that he makes. And he says, God is in control of my life. Bruce has worked diligently to get his driver's license back that he hasn't had in 20 years. He now owns a truck. He rents a house. He's established credit. He's worked two, he works two jobs. He's been delivered from drugs and alcohol. And he said he's worked real hard to do the right thing. Calvary is his church home because he says so many people here have supported him through good times and bad and Bruce gives God all the glory for his life. Bruce was here in first service, Dan. I had him stand. 
And we celebrated a little bit with Bruce for what God's doing in his life. Stood out in the entryway with him after that, at the service, and he said, Pastor, I know that there are times, he goes, I'll tell you in my life, it was hard for me to admit I had a drug problem. He goes, it's ruining my life. But it's hard for me to tell anybody that I've been sexually abused. It's hard for me to tell anybody what had gone on in my life. He said, but that's when healing began to come to my life. He said, tell people there's hope. There's hope. Whatever you're at, wherever you're at in life, there's hope. Nobody was dreaming this outcome for Bruce when he was six years old. Nobody was looking out for him. Nobody was pushing him. Everything that was coming into his life as a three, four, five, six, seven-year-old, man, it was spinning him out into the high, high weeds. But Jesus came into his life and said, no matter how messed up it is, no matter how far it is off course, I want him to have life to the full. I want him to have hope. I want him to have something different. And see, this is a great thing. When Jesus says that you can have life to the full, he's not just talking about the people who've been raised in church and their families have all gotten it right and helped them push the right. He's talking to all of us. That any one of us will come and say, here's the club, you're in control. Here, here it is. You direct my life. I'll go where you send me. I'll be what you have me to be. That God will begin to direct that life in a new way. Now, friend, as a dad, I want my kids to get that when they're really young. I want them to avoid the mistakes and the problems and the errors and the pain. But if you're at that place where that didn't happen for you, the trajectory was bad, we want you to know today there is hope in Jesus' name. The future can be bright. Amen? Let's stand and give the Lord a clap offering today. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering, please. Lord, we glorify you today and magnify your name. You are worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. And we praise you today. We thank you for stories like Bruce's. And Lord, we pray that parents, we as parents and grandparents, would have wisdom to set right direction, right trajectory in the lives of the children that you've entrusted to us. And Father, for anyone here today who's hurting, anyone here today, Father, who's been abused and broken and whose life is spun out of control into places where it shouldn't be. Let them hear today there is hope for them. Let every parent and every grandparent hear today, we have a serious job to do. We're not here to let our kids grow up. We're here to raise them, to train them in what is right so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Help us become master parents, pros, at doing this, shaping, forming the life so it will avoid the errors of the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come down to the front right now. And in just a second, we're going to sing a song. And if you just want prayer for your family, I want to invite you to come down and let one of our prayer teams pray with you. And spend a few moments with you. We'll be glad. They'll be glad to do that.
Today, if you're sitting here and you say, wow, I've, I've had some tough things happen in my life. I've had some hard things happen. I want to set a new course. Come down. Let somebody, let somebody pray for you today. Whatever it might be in your life. If you don't know that your relationship with Jesus is right, the most important thing you can do today is take control of your life and give it to him. And say from this day forward, I want you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life, and I'm giving you control of my life. That's the most important thing any of us can ever do if we want the destiny of our life to be right. So today, as they sing a song, if you have any kind of need in your life at all like these, you just want somebody to pray with you. Step out and come down. We're so glad you've been here today. Welcome to Calvary. Hope you've had a great experience this week. And hope you'll come back and see us many, many times. Our goal is to follow Christ and all that he tells, for us, tells us to do. And to find the life to the full that comes in his name. God bless you today.